today in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give God a big praise. Grab somebody this morning and say, he's the God of miracles, and you look good today. Amen. but they amen good to be in the house of the Lord this morning amen amen pastors thank you for the incredible opportunity to share the word of God this morning I don't deserve what God's done in my life. I'm humbled that he chose to pick me and use me, and uh, he wants to use each and every one of us. Amen. Uh, Nobody's special in any way other than who he is in us. Amen. Father, I thank you today for the opportunity to speak your word. I ask the next few moments that your Holy Spirit would be free to Speak to each and every heart in this place that I'm just an empty vessel for you to flow through today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, turn your Bibles this morning if you'd want, or it's on the wall. And I know the lights are out, but that's so that um, we can stay focused. But uh, on the wall, Matthew chapter 27 and verse number 63, um, as I was praying and asking God what to what to share um, today, I, I came across this story, and, and the Easter story, most of us, I would say, know what it represents. And um, as I was reading and just asking God, what, what would you have me to share? And they're going to sing a song at the end of service that, as I heard it, it just began to ring in my spirit, like the microphone's ringing a little bit this morning. And um, like how I threw that in there. They're keeping track back there, roasted number one, Donnie. And um, I'm being silly. And um, I began to ask God what to share. And this verse, I couldn't shake it, and I couldn't shake the thought of the borrowed grave. And um, I don't know if you guys have ever met anybody in your life that they're just always right. Like, like you almost live to prove them wrong. Do you guys have any friends like that? Or maybe you're that person. Like, you're just like, that's me. What do, what do you need today? Like, I, I got it. I'm perfect, right? Like, I know everything. I'm just, a, right? You know, I get around some people, and I'm like, man, are they ever wrong? Like, you know, you just, like, live to, like, I'm going to catch them one of these days, and I'm going to write it down, and I'm going to remember it, right? Matthew chapter 27, and verse number 63 says, Sir, we remember while he was still alive. How that deceiver said, after three days, I will rise. I mean, here's Jesus, this guy, the audacity to say, I'm gonna, I, I shared in first service, how many of you could imagine being at the bedside of your loved one 
and they're about to pass. And they just turn and be like, suck it up, buttercup. I'll be back in three days. Like, I don't even know where that came from. But here's what Jesus is doing. He's like, and, and they remember those words. They ring in their heart. And, and they remember, I mean, they have just crucified. I mean, they're putting him on display and shaming Jesus. And he goes, remember what he said? After three days, I will rise. Therefore, command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people, he has risen from the dead. So the last deception will be worse than the first. So Pilate said to them, you have a guard, go your way, make it as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. Now, I began to meditate on, on this passage of scripture. And the only thing that I could, I, I just couldn't shake this statement, make it as secure as you know how. If Jesus wasn't who he was supposed to be, what are they worried about? If Jesus is not the Messiah, why didn't you just stick him in the dirt and walk away? But even the very men that crucified him, put him on trial, and cast him into the tomb, something in their heart knew better. And, and I think it's easy to say up until this point that you could easily say that the things that Jesus do, did, we call them miracles, but I could see how in, in, in the human eye, when you want to discredit somebody, when you want to prove that they're wrong, I could see how a lot of the things that he did on earth could easily be, you know, just coincidental or, you know, tricks. I, I, you know, I, I'm thinking of some of these miracles, like they weren't really sick. You know, they like gave him a, hey, you know what? I'm going to come into town today. They'd send like travelers ahead, right? Like we'll give you a hundred dollars if you pretend you're sick. And then when Jesus comes, you know, we'll miraculously heal you. You know, we could, our minds kind of work like that, don't they? Because, because humanity lives there's something within us, it's a spirit that, that wants to discredit who Jesus is. And I love this passage because make it as secure as you know how. How many times in our life have we lived to try and discredit who Christ really is? I mean, we, it's okay that you believe that. It's okay that... You know, you go to church on Sunday. It's okay that you actually go like almost 52 Sundays a year. It's, it's okay that you believe that, but, but I think I'm going to keep him where he belongs. And I think that these guys deep down in their heart knew who Jesus really was. Today, I want to ask, who is Jesus really to you? Is he the guy that you're trying to keep in this tomb for whatever reason, or is he really the risen savior in your life? I mean, how audacious of a statement was that? That after three days, I will rise. There's no sorcerer or magician or mystic that could come alive from the grave on his own, is there? I mean, 
I just, I'm painting that picture of what it would be like to see a loved one be like, just relax, I'll be back. Like, where are you going to go for three days? You're dead. But we live in a world today that's filled with people trying to prolong their life, aren't we? Like, we, there's something in us that does not want to die. And I'm right there. Like, I'm believing that there was a guy in the Bible. His name was Enoch. The Bible says that he walked with God and he was no more. Amen? That's what Sean is hoping for, okay? Because I don't like the thought of death. I am not going to lay in a hospital bed and just breathing air just to survive, okay? I I fully believe in Jesus' name that one day I'll be going to the grocery store to get milk and Sean will just vanish in Jesus' name, amen? Because I don't like... (laughs) I don't like pain, I don't like injury. There is nothing good about death. It is scary. There's something in us that that does not like the thought of death. We don't like the thought of aging. You know, look at the drugs that we will put in our bodies today to try to prolong the length of our days. Right? We, we We eat better. We go to the gym, the Lord's gym, right? If you don't, you need to repent and get a membership at Lord's gym. It's the only place that will prolong your life. (laughs) they paid me like a hundred bucks to say that just kidding okay but if you go anywhere else you're a bad person and um you know it's like there's 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 hair loss things i could do to like prevent my hair loss right but i'm gonna break out in a rash it's like head of hair and a rash yeah no bald i'll take bald okay like or, or maybe you got a physical and you take all these drugs. It's like, yeah, we cured your high blood pressure, but, right, your toenails are falling off. You can't see anymore. You have bloody noses all the time. But, man, your high blood pressure's down. And we're willing to do it because we don't want to die. <laughs> Amen? We, we do these things to prolong the length of our days. And I think because sometimes we're actually scared of what the grave represents. You know, but Christ came to to remove all that. He came to prove that it's not about the grave, people. It's about where we spend eternity. The grave is not the final destination. And I think that's why we're so scared sometimes. See, everyone, and even the ones that sends him to death, acknowledged the power he possessed. Think about it. If, If they didn't acknowledge the power, why were they so worried about locking down the tomb? If they didn't recognize the power he possessed. But this morning, everywhere Jesus went, he disrupted the direction of people's lives. Didn't he? I mean, when you start to think about the miracles, I I was going to read them, but there's too many. And so I just put a few down. I, I think about the woman that had an infirmity for 18 years. It was that power that redeemed that woman. It was the same power that took a woman bound with an issue of blood and set her free. It was the same power that raised Lazarus from the dead. It was the same power that redeemed 10 lepers. It was the same power that delivered those that were possessed with demon spirits. It's the same power that healed the blind and opened the ears of the deaf. It was the very power that took a man that had been lame for 38 years and made him whole. Everywhere Jesus went, he changed the direction of people's lives. Every encounter they had completely changed their life. 
this morning, what direction is your life going in? See, we spend our lives looking for the answers to life's questions. But maybe we're missing what's been right in front of us all along. Instructions that stand the test of time and explanations that defy human logic. Think about it. We, we live in a culture today in a society that is doing everything they can to keep Jesus in the grave. You can worship any other God, any other religion, but do not proclaim the name of Jesus. Because there's something I think they really actually recognize is the power that he possesses. This morning, I thought it would be fun to share some stories of people in our church that have had their life's directions changed because of an encounter with Jesus. Luke, go ahead. I remember growing up with a Catholic background, and I was only attending church on the special occasions. And at that time, I thought, Church was so boring. Early on in high school, I started drinking and smoking and soon graduated into pills, LSD, and cocaine, spending most of my time partying and skipping classes. On my 30th birthday, I was introduced to heroin that lasted for five years. During those five years, I got hepatitis B and C. I was in and out of jobs and rehab centers. Heroin had grabbed a hold of me so bad that I eventually got down to 90 pounds and I became homeless and living in the streets of Oakland, California. And I hit my bottom. That very place that I thought I was going to die was exactly where God wanted me. Even though I did not die a physical death, I did die to my old life. I met a man that was a backslidden Christian. He started talking to me about Jesus and he was telling me that he was the only way into heaven and that I needed to give my heart over to him and that I needed to ask forgiveness of my sins. He took me step by step through that salvation prayer that day and I gave my heart over to the Lord. Approximately two weeks later, I was miraculously filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. At that moment, I felt completely changed. I had such power running through me and I knew something supernaturally was happening to me. All I could think or talk about was Jesus. That conversion took place in front of three Hell's Angels and around 15 other people. For the first time in my life, my eyes were opened. That was 20 years ago, and my life with Christ has been anything but boring. He has set me free from 27 years of drugs and alcohol. He miraculously healed my hepatitis B and C. He took this broken, shattered vessel and he restored me and made me brand new. He has given me the grace to be able to help others, broken vessels, to become whole in him. He is real, everybody, and he is alive. So if anybody today is struggling with any kind of addictions, today is your day. Do not hesitate. Today is Resurrection Day. He is the purpose and a destiny for you, for all of you right where you are at. What he has done for me, he will do for you. Amen. Come on. Matthew chapter 28. As I reflect on Barbara's story is so powerful because 
So many times we spend our life looking for our answers in different things, wondering where it's going to come from. And I remember as a young man, still young actually, but a couple years ago, living to discredit who Christ was because I thought I could figure it out on my own. I, I, I really thought that, that I, could, I could make this life work and, and I, could, I could have these things and, and, and Jesus and, and, and church and, and all those things, that's, that's good for dad. He's a pastor. But for me, it's all good. I, I live to believe that, that I could run from that, that I could push him away, that I could keep him locked up and, and allow him to be for someone else. But the Bible says in Matthew chapter 28, as the story continues, in verse number two, it says, suddenly <laughs> the earth reeled and rocked under their feet as God's angel came down from heaven. He came right up to where they were standing. He rolled back the stone and sat on it. Just, here we go. Could you imagine social media back then? Like, you're standing there, and an angel comes down and just rolls this stone away and just kicks it. Like, what's up, guys? Like, I don't know what kind of condition you'd be in, but I think I would be trembling and running. And the Bible says that, that the guard... At the tomb was scared to death. He probably had to go change his diaper. They were so frightened that they couldn't move. I mean, think about this power on display. Because the borrowed grave was in everything that Jesus did. See, the grave was never meant to be a final resting place. And in your life, there's things that you may feel like are dead. That you may feel like are producing death. You may feel like there are situations in your life that feel hopeless, helpless, without a reason. What's the point? But I will tell you today that that is not the point you stop. Listen to this. The angel spoke to the woman. There is nothing to fear here. I know you're looking for Jesus, the one they nailed to the cross. But he is not here. Everything they did to try and keep Jesus locked up should try to keep him in the tomb. But God's miraculous power set him free. And I want to tell you today that it doesn't matter how hard you've tried to keep Jesus in the tomb, to run from him, to push him away. God's miraculous power is here today to pull the tomb wide open in your life. And to set you free. Yet the very thing that keeps us from receiving life is fully accepting that he is all powerful. And he is who he says he is. Today so many choose to live a life filled with hurt, bondage, sin, and eventually death because of this simple truth. Denying the power of Christ for their life. See the borrowed grave was in everything he did. He said in Revelations 1.18 he says, I am alive. I died, but I came to life, and my life is now forever. See these keys in my hand? They open and lock death's door. They open and lock hell's gates. Jesus Christ is the only way to eternal life. 
He is the only one that can grant you that life that you think you're going to find in this world. That life that you think you're going to find in prolonging and eating bark and chewing on leaves to try and keep yourself healthy for the rest of your life. It's not about living on earth forever. So eat some pizza, have some ice cream, and enjoy life. Amen. I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding. Come to Lord's Gym. We can work it off afterwards. But one of my favorite stories, when I think about the resurrecting power of Jesus, is that of a man named Saul. This guy was the farthest thing from a man filled with life. I mean, this guy was all about death. And he was all about ruining other people's lives. And he was all about ruining the cause of Christ. He was all about going 180 degrees the opposite direction of what Christ was all about. But here we find in Acts chapter 9, as Paul, well Saul at the time, is going about his business, doing what he did, Jesus shows up and changes everything. And the Bible says in verse 3, as he was traveling, that it happened that he was approaching Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. There's something about these lights and these angels they come from heaven. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. I'm the one that you thought was in the grave. I'm the one that you thought didn't matter. I'm the one that you have been living to discredit. I'm the one that you have been resisting. But get up. And enter the city, and it will be told to you what you must do. I mean, could you imagine on your way to work one day, and you're walking across the parking lot, and a light shows up and begins to talk to you and change everything about your life. The Bible says that he was blinded from the light, couldn't see, and he was told to go on to the city, and so he goes to the city, and he, and he waits in this house, and God sends a messenger to him. And in verse 17, Ananias departed and entered into the house, and after laying his hands on Saul, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight, and he got up and was baptized, and he took food and was strengthened. Think about this for a moment this morning. If the grave was a final destination, Paul would have never had this experience. We wouldn't have two-thirds of the New Testament. But he took a man that seemed so far gone, so helpless, so hopeless. I don't know if you have it in your heart, or maybe I just need Jesus to heal me. Um, but have you ever looked at some people and go, they don't deserve to be forgiven? Can I just be honest? They don't deserve a second chance. They don't deserve what they have. How many were thinking that about Saul? But I think that's the beautiful thing about the heart of God. You know, it's really easy to see compassion on somebody that's hurting physically. It's really easy to, to see the love of God in that. 
But to see the love of God on a murderer? How about the heart of God in that? And that's God's heart for each and every one of us today. As it doesn't matter how far gone you've been. It doesn't matter how far you've turned your back on him. It doesn't matter what you've allowed to creep into your life to push you away from who he really is. God says it just takes one moment for me to reveal to you who I really am and to change everything about your life. So today, when you consider the situations of your life, will you consider what Christ did for us? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, and verse number 15, it says, Through the Spirit, Christ offered himself as an unblemished sacrifice, freeing us from all those dead-end efforts to make ourselves respectable so that we can live all out for God. Friend, can I tell you today that God still lives. To touch people. To save them. To heal them. To deliver them. So that they can live all out for him. See, Jesus came to be a perfect ransom for our wrongs. He took on the sin, pain, and conquered it. Not for himself but for you and I. You know, I began to think about what he's done in my life. And I'm overwhelmed with his miraculous power. I don't deserve it. I'm not worthy of it. But he paid the perfect ransom for us. Psalm chapter 55 and verse number four says, my insides are turned inside out. Specters of death have me down, and I shake with fear, and I shudder from head to foot. Who will give me wings, I ask? Who will give me wings like a dove? And I began to think about the moments in my life where I feel like situations have me feeling hopeless and helpless and without life, and, and I find myself like this at times, going, God, who, what, when, where. But the beautiful thing is, is when you can call on him, he shows up and he puts you on wings and he begins to take your life soaring in a whole new direction. If you'll just allow him to touch your life. This morning, I want you to hear Bill's story on his Damascus Road experience. About the time I turned 30, I was at the end of a broken and failed marriage. I'd been in church for five or six years, serving God, using my music ministry, both in church and, and out in, in an outreach ministry. But there really was no hope for our marriage. I'll never forget this one argument that we had. My ex-wife, in a fit of anger, told me that she didn't believe it was God's will for us to be married. That statement really hurt and made me bitter, and I responded to her, well, if that's the God you serve, I no longer want to serve that God. Shortly thereafter, I moved out of that house, moved out of that town, really left all the friends that I had, most of those people who supported me through the years and who were friends, and 
most of the Christian people I just left behind and kind of moved on, focused on work and had to slip back into some of my old habits that I had in my teenage years and tried to use drugs and alcohol to sort of numb my pain. I knew that wasn't the answer, but I really didn't care. After about a year, you know, my divorce was final. I was still kind of living in that same place, feeling alone, still bitter and angry. But I remember this one night traveling home from San Francisco after attending a retirement party. I was on a BART train. It was late at night. There was only one other gentleman in the car that I was riding in, and he was asleep in the front row. And I was just sitting there, minding my own business, and I hear this voice that tells me, if you stay on this path, you will surely die. And the voice was so clear as day, and I still remember it, that I had to look around to see if someone else was on the train. And as I looked around, there was still only the man in the front row who was still passed out. And I just said, God, is that you? I really didn't know what the answer was gonna be, but I just began to pray. At that moment, I finally realized I wasn't alone. I began to pray and pour out my heart to God. He spoke to me and described that what I felt was a spiritual death due to separation from Him. I knew this was true because of exactly what I had been feeling. He assured me He wasn't done with me yet and was able to lift me out of the pit that I had been in. I wish I could say at that moment all the pain was gone, but when I got off the train, I felt those chains that had bound me for the last year were loosened. It wasn't too long after that that God began to repair and reuse those dry bones. Shortly thereafter, I started using my gift to worship God again. Although things had turned around so well, I knew there were some things still missing in my life. I desperately wanted to remarry, but because of the failure in my first marriage, it was very difficult for me to allow myself to trust another person again. I started to wonder if that might be a part of the life, my life that he may not be able to repair and might remain dead. Yet I knew I wanted to have a wife and start a family again. I began to realize that if I could trust him through everything else that happened in my life, I'd have to trust him in this also. I began to pray for the wife that God wanted me to have. The only thing I asked for was a godly woman. Soon he put things in motion and led me to Lori and gave me the family that I desired. I had no idea that we would become partners in ministry and worship God together the way we do today. This makes me realize how complete his restoration was in my life because he knew my needs before I even asked. So I know God has done a new thing in my life. He's renewed. He has given me back even more than what I had before, before I fell, before I walked away from him. And I know that because of his grace, I'm alive.
The resurrected King is resurrecting me. Resurrected King is resurrecting me. Resurrected King is resurrecting me. Hallelujah. From the ashes of defeat, by your spirit, God, we're made alive. Would you just close your eyes this morning? The sun of light came to fill the earth with something that was missing in the hearts of men. And I believe today that there's some of you in this room that have something missing from your heart. You've tried so hard to keep them in that grave. You've tried so hard to deny who he really is. You've tried so hard to resist the miracle working power of Jesus Christ. But God has you here today to absolutely disrupt the direction of your life. I believe today that somebody in this room and today is your Damascus Road. You've been going one way and all of a sudden There's something happening in your heart right now. And God's about to shine a light on your life. And he's about to remove scales from your eyes. And you're about to see who Jesus is really is the resurrected Savior Jesus Christ there's somebody in this room today and today's your BART train moment as you heard Bill sharing his story of a man that turned his back on God. One moment absolutely disrupted the direction of his life. And somebody in this room, 
is about to have that same experience with God. I'm going to ask you to do something super brave right now. And just raise a hand to heaven. Every person in this room, you may never have talked to God. You may have never raised your hand except for when you needed the teacher to call on you in school. But I'm going to ask you to do that right now. You don't have to stick it super high. Maybe you want to. Maybe you forgot deodorant. I don't care. Stick it up there right now. Come on. Father, and I want you to just say this with me this morning. Because I believe that God was doing something before you even walked in this room. It's just a building. But when we come together as his people, the Bible says that he inhabits our praises. And there's some of you this morning that you're feeling something like electricity right now in your body. You're feeling this this thing travel through you right now. Don't even ask me to explain it because I can't. But right now, what's happening is that tomb is being opened in your life. So every person in here, just raise your hand up. Come on. Some of you are resisting. You're like that kid in class that didn't want to be obedient. Come on. Stick your hand up. And just say this. You ready? It's simple. God. Nice and loud. God. Speak. talking to you right now. You're feeling it right now. You can put your hand down. If that's you today and God began to speak to your heart and God's been dealing with you all service. God's been stirring something in you from the time they started singing that first song. You feel this thing bubbling up on the inside of you. Can I tell you that today is your day to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Today is the day that the tomb becomes empty in your life and the scales are lifted from your eyes. Friend, if that's you today and you're ready for God to bring life to your dry bones, If you're ready for him to turn your situations that seem so hopeless and so helpless, and if you're ready for him to breathe life into your veins, I want to pray with you, lead you in a simple prayer. Would you raise your hand this morning and say, Pastor Sean, that's me. Thank you. I saw one. I saw one. Anybody 